0: I really believe this is the reason why I became a national champ, was that situation. I I didn't All-American my junior year. You know, I was a freshman All-American. I was a sophomore All-American. I went into my junior year. I think I was ranked top three in the country going into the NCAA tournament. I get upset first round.
1: We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability.
0: I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than. The things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy
1: we're fortunate if you wrestled, because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and
0: effort. It humbled me, taught me humility.
1: Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems.
0: You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago, IL. Our guest today is the great John Reeder, associate head coach for Wisconsin, NCAA champ for Iowa State, three-time All-American, coach Reeder. Has been on the podcast before, episode 35 and episode 268. Love having John on the show, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Fan of the week goes to our friend Wade Kilgore, a fellow salesperson and a listener of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening, Wade. We appreciate it. Without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great John Reader. Absolutely. John Reader, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Hey, Ron, appreciate you having me back on, man. Let's go. Man, I'm so excited. I see the sign you're in your, on your wall, the relentless positivity. And man, that's what I think about when I think of you up in Wisconsin, man. It's it's uh it's just exciting to have you in the wrestling world and pumped to have you back on.
0: I appreciate it, man. Just try to bring that energy and that that positive energy in in every aspect, every space I'm um, in, you know, try to uplift those around me. Is that something you were born with or is that something you learned? I, dude, I I I revert everything back to my family, my parents. Man, they 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 raised me the right way, and and um, who I am today is is a direct reflection of the way I was raised. By my mom and dad.
1: Wow, that's exciting, man. So let's. Uh, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about Wisconsin season and and some of the studs you guys have. Uh, I want to talk about uh, if you got any more crazy foot races coming up. But um, now let's just start at the top, man. One of my guys, an Illinois guy. When I say my guys, I'm just Illinois high school fanboy Dean Hemedy. man, talk to us about what he's been like in the program.
0: Well, I think he's been, he's been, um, he's emerged as the kind of face of this program guy. That's, that's done a great job of developing over the last couple of years. But, but what you get out of DJ is, um, is, is again, he's carried that to where he is right now. He's going into his junior season and something special about DJ, even in the recruiting process, there was just, just desire to compete in this fire within Every time he stepped on the mat, win or lose. Um, and I can reference exactly where we saw DJ when we recruited him. It was actually at the Cheesehead Tournament way back when, when he was just a little guy, wrestling 106. And I remember watching him lose. And it was just the the competitive spirit that he had. I was drawn to that. And that's who we are as a program. Just that burning desire to compete and that ferocious competitor within. I knew that this guy was going to have a, a a trajectory of, you know, sky's unlimited. So, as 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 we came into this program, we quickly saw that that's who he was. That was his identity. He came in with just this fearless competitor within him. Didn't care who he was competing against, whether it was a veteran in our room or whether it was a you know a freshman. It didn't matter. He was ready to compete and he wanted to win in every aspect. And when you see that kid, the, the, that and kid, that's hard to teach. That's hard to really coach that into someone. That's just within man. That's that's right here. And um, DJ has had that, and he's been a great. Great example for the rest of our room. Bringing that kind of attitude, whether whether it's a run, a lift, a, a wrestle, it doesn't matter. He is he's full tilt in every aspect of his of his career. And we you've you know you've watched him accomplish you know special things. He's a true freshman being an All American last year he was an All American. This year he's continuing to dial things in and, and make adjustments to be able to compete with the top guys in the country. And his goal isn't to win a national title. His goal is to be a Heisman Trophy. And he says it regularly every single day. And that's the kind of attitude um, that he has. And when you, when you talk like that, that requires a certain type of accountability. You say you want to be a hot trophy winner. Well, it, it requires this, you know, and it requires a lot in every aspect of your life and consistency and relentless. And, um, he's, he's a direct reflection of everything that that embodies and I'm excited for his opportunity this coming season. And I know he he's excited for the opportunity. He's not a guy that's going to shy away from a weight class, which we've seen over the last couple of years, 165 really develop into a premier weight class a lot of people want to watch that weight class but again very easy for guys to kind of filter away from that or shy away from that weight class he's not that kind of guy he's full head in and um this is his weight class and and he's ready to go
1: yeah he's he has that just like the internal confidence so when he goes out there like he he'll scrap with anyone <laughs> and I love that you saw that in a loss as a freshman so it's like some of these parents that are listening now to the show or even wrestlers listening it's like even a match as a freshman the way you handle a loss that's something you guys are looking at at that level
0: oh absolutely and ryan there's so much more that goes into the recruiting process obviously the, the yeah. over overlying things the academics the, the but i'm really watching you in every aspect when you're competing i'm watching the way you treat your teammates i'm weighing, I'm, I'm looking at how you treat your coaches how you treat your teammates how you treat your parents I'm looking at how your body language is when you are competing. What is it? What what happens after you take a loss? Are you that kind of guy that, all right, we're gonna pack our stuff up and mom and dad are taking me home? Or are you gonna put your head down and go get the next best thing? And that's who we are as a as a program. And um we we have that desire to find guys that that are that are just like that.
1: I can only imagine the excitement you feel before you go do a visit with the recruit. With the- you know, it's like a, I related to I'm in sales, and we do meetings with customers on Zoom. But then sometimes we'll go to their office, and it's a big meeting, right? And you you definitely feel the butterflies, and you get excited. Uh, what's it like going into a recruit's house for the first time?
0: Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the whole process because because of the relationships, and I take that to heart, and so does our staff. And it's a it's a um, it's a priority for us to build genuine. Uh, relationships. And really, Brian, the foundation of our program is the relationships we have with our athletes. And um, when you have a genuine, strong relationship with coach and athlete, there's no limit to to where you can take that. And um, to yeah. me, being able to step foot into a, a family's home and to, to let them understand that we as a staff, me as a coach, I'm going to meet your son right where he is in life. I'm going to put my arm around him and I'm going to walk every step with him. And to be able to bring that kind of energy and bring that kind of passion into these families' homes, I love that man. I could talk to anybody, and um, it's but it's genuine. It's just being being who you are and bringing that energy and, and understanding that, like I said, we're going to meet your son right where they are, put their arm around him, and we're going to walk every step of the way. And we what we talk about in our our process of building relationships, and it may sound corny, but um, I really believe it. When it comes to relationships, if we do our job right. 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, when your son is removed from this program, we should be the second phone call behind mom and dad when you have your firstborn son, mm. when you get married. Hey, Coach Reader would love to hear that. I just had my firstborn son. I mean that. I mean that wholeheartedly, and relationships are are um, a strong priority in our relationship in our program, and um, I love that process. So, so when we get in a recruit's house August 1st, man, it's just bring that energy and let them feel what they're going to be around.
1: Do you ever do like a couple on a day or do you, is it so that they're too spaced out distance wise?
0: You know what our target, our target uh, group has been very narrowed down. And I think when you get to those home visits, I think you kind of understand who your targets are, what your priorities are as a team. And, um, but again, we surround them with all the energy that we bring as a program and all the resources and just reiterate and listen, this is where your son's going to be the absolute best version of himself
1: there's a, there's a speech Urban Meyer gave like 2011. Uh, it's like at a coaching clinic the year after they won at Ohio state and you'll see what you will about him. But I, I yeah. love, I love his, his results. And this is a philosophy and he's big on building trust with a, with a player, with an athlete. I'll send it to you. Cause he goes over like five tenets. It's like, this is, if you have a relationship with a player, it's, you know, how you get there. Cause it's like, a lot, again, taking back to my life, a lot of the things with my clients is if they don't trust you, they're not going to tell you about their problems and projects, and you're not going to make a sale. And if your athlete That's doesn't trust you, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: That's the truth. And like, like we said, the foundation of our program is, is relationships. But ultimately, what you want out of this is you want your student athlete to have the best experience they possibly can and for them to walk away from this program the absolute best version of themselves. Where, where that is we're going to leave the chips where the fall, where they fall. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's incredibly important. If you want to be the best version of yourself, you got to have that trust, but it starts with consistency in that relationship. And uh, again, I think that's, that's critical in your program.
1: Yeah. Consistency is one of the things he talks about, like repeated actions of doing the right thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen, man. Every single day. And that's what we, we talk about that in our program every day too, is, you know, consistency. You want to be the absolute best. You want to be the top guy at the top of the podium at the end of the year it's a game of inches and all the guys that are willing that are willing to be consistent day in and day out even when they don't want to do it to make the choice over feeling um those are the guys that are you know the majority of the time on top of that podium
1: it's like if we could just suppress that feeling i love how you said making choice over feeling because sometimes the feeling is you're feeling sorry for yourself you're feeling lazy you still got to be done custom Idol right. told uh mike tyson he's like you don't exist. Only the task exists. You need to finish the task. And it's like, that's love a little it. extreme, but
0: yeah, I, like I it. love it. I love it, man. And, and 100%, you know, it, we, we talk about it, you know, do what you're trying to do, not what you feel. And that's from a technical aspect of, of the sport, but it goes with every, every aspect of your approach to the sport, whether it's nutrition, strength, running, you know, you ultimately know, did you give a hundred percent? Did you give everything you had in that, in, in whatever area that is? And I had one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. It really transformed who I am as a, as a competitor, as a coach, as an athlete. And it was my senior year going into my senior year in college. And I'll never forget this is Kevin Jackson's um, uh, piece of little wisdom that really kind of sparked the the or turned the light on. And it just took my career to the next level. And I'll never forget it. We were sitting on top of the stadium. We just finished a, 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 a team stadium. We're all exhausted. We come in as a group and he brings this in and he goes boys you never know which workout's going to make you a national champ you never know and when i heard that as simple as those words were it completely every every alarm went off in my in my mind because i i was not willing to go to sleep at night knowing i gave 99% wow. or i gave or i gave 97% because someone at my weight class was giving more than i was and i wasn't okay with that and i think that ultimately the guys that are on top of that podium at the end of the year they fully embody that kind of mentality in every aspect. Whether it's you know I don't believe in you know did you just being all in in every aspect of your life would be the best version. You of never itself. know
1: when you're going to have a breakthrough, right?
0: Yeah, man. It could be a 45 minute drill, an individual drill, and that could have been the that could have been the one that puts you over the edge. And and I I fully took that on that mentality, and I, I believe that kind of powered me through my senior year.
1: And so you talk about Coach KJ was uh, he was he was your coach <laughs> at Iowa State. When you first got there, your retro freshman year, or your freshman year, and even your retro freshman year, who was that coach that you had a really close relationship with?
0: Well, the recruiting process is different for me, and a lot like I've said before on the show, Ryan, I, I've had I had three ultimately three different head coaches at Iowa State. So I got recruited by Coach Douglas, legendary coach at Iowa State, um, you know, national championship coach. He was my head coach that I was getting recruited by, but Kale Sanderson was the assistant coach who really did a lot of the the relationship building and kind of the process of coming to the house and um, doing that whole nine yards. So when I came when I committed Bobby Douglas was the head coach. When I came into school that transition happened right when I came into school they announced that Kale was going to be the head coach which was great because ultimately you know that was a major priority for me was to have him as a one a partner or somebody in, in the corner. So when that happened, he became my head coach and I had him there for three years. I had him there for my retro freshman year all the way through my sophomore season. At the end of my sophomore season, that's when Coach KJ came in with, with the staff of, of Chris Bono. And that's where ultimately him and I built our relationship and, you know, and yeah. it, it stopped. So, but again, I, I took that as a as a huge positive for me. I was around some of the best minds, the best athletes that this sport has ever seen in, in some of the things. and. Even three co- head coaches. That means I had a multitude of assistant coaches. That one, I built relationships. Two, I I got to be a sponge and just absorb their different techniques. Like Tim Hartung, you know, a name that doesn't, um, you know, a lot of older school wrestlers understand who that guy is. He was a two-time NCAA champion from Minnesota. He was one. Of, he was like my guy at the time.
1: Really? You know, that he time.
0: was. I didn't know that. He was the he was the man. One of the best coaches. He's not in coaching anymore. He actually, I think, he's a high school coach at Stillwater High School in in Minnesota phenomenal phenomenal person can't speak highly enough about him um but i had a a ton of other assistant coaches eric bolker was a two-time ncaa champion at iowa state he was an assistant at a time Yaru washington the paulson brothers i've had so many assistant coaches that whole that whole assistant coaching staff that's at penn state those were my coaches at, at iowa state so again i took the approach of um I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can from the people that are around me. And I was a relationship guy. So I got along with all of them. And it was just very fortunate and very grateful for my experience. A lot of student athletes, you know, they don't go through three different changes in five years. You know, I took that as man, I got the privilege to be around some of the absolute best.
1: Yeah. Coach Douglas, what a legend. I mean people forget about that 1988 Arizona state title or 89, 88, whatever it was, but man, he's, I got a, I got a funny story
0: about coach Douglas and I, I, um, it, so i i was far down the road of his coaching career right i was i was far down the road I think I was his last i think he told me i was his last recruiting class that he actually had to Iowa State because he was obviously done after that so I was part of his last recruiting class and I have a funny story man when that transition happened and and um you know we're doing summer camps for kale one summer and at, at, at in Ames and he, you know kale had huge summer camps that we used to have like 600 700 kids that were there and I'll never forget, I was just a young pup. I was a young pup and a student of the sport. I knew who Bobby was and through the process of all of it. And I, I knew in the recruiting process, he was a big fisherman. So one one summer practice we had going on for summer camps, uh, Bobby shows up into the lead, Hickson lead, which is a big, you know, area. We, we had like 20 mats down for camp. Wow. He comes, he comes in and he just has a fisherman lure vest on with no shirt underneath. And he has... Pair of sweatpants on dude it's like 100 degrees outside and i took it as i took it as like he was fishing he was out fishing that day he was coming in for camp session and he was like you know just coming from out fishing and i was like coach you got to tell me where you got to tell me where the uh where your sweet spot is Where where's the hole in ames you know where you got to take fish. he just looked at me and he's like haha asshole something like that something like that like like he thought i was making fun of him about his. <laughs> That he was wearing, you know, and I was like, (laughs) Uh, you talk about one of the absolute, he was just a genius when it came to technical breakdown of the sport. I remember him, I made my first university world team and he was helping me break down film and, you know, he was just a student, such a student of the sport himself. He had every VHS possible of every tournament around the world. You know, and I would I would tell him, hey, I'm you know I'm getting ready for the University World Championship. He would come and he'd bring me like 27 VHSs and say, go hey, go watch this. And you know, it's 1992, you it's whatever, whatever tournament over here. And he'd go watch these. It, I love that about him. I love that about him. And he was such a selfish guy or selfless guy, um, in 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 the way he built relationships with his athletes and just just an awesome awesome guy, man. What a, what a but legend.
1: Why was he? So he shows up to practice sweatpants and no shirt vest. So was yeah, he going fishing he, after that, or that was just his oh, daily like, attire? I, I, that was just his daily attire for the day, yeah. and I think he, he was a little uh, taken back by
0: my by my compliment of his vest. And I, I think he thought <laughs> of him, but I wasn't. I was truly like, "Hey, you know, you need to take me fishing, coach."
1: Right, right. What's but funny? I was talking to Jason Bryan about this, and it's like I think it was just a phone call, but it's like in American wrestling. Anything that happened before that 1972 Olympic team, a lot of people forget about because it was such a historic team. 1972, but man, Coach Douglas was a two-time Olympian and was like five and zero against Gable, you know, and like he—that's yeah. his wrestling. Then his his coaching career is at Arizona State building it up. Goes to Iowa State and obviously puts together some tremendous teams. And that's just one of your many mentors. Man, that's cool.
0: Oh man, I had so many. And and even guys that their names don't even or well, are not even in the history books at Iowa State, like Nick Pasolano, a name you probably don't hear quite about, but you would be in an Illinois. Hey, boy, Providence a-
1: Catholic, baby. Come on. Yes, sir. And that
0: was that was a guy. I was a I was a true freshman coming into Iowa State. He was a senior on his way out of the program. And mm-hmm. a guy that stood around or He kept staying around Iowa state for a little bit and was figuring out what he was going to do with his life. And he put his arm around me when I was a true freshman and said, this is the way you're going to train. You are going to be special. You know, this is how you, this is how you, everything, man. It was like, I, there was no moment where I I could have had the opportunity to go down the the wrong road. Cause if I did, he would grab me by the back of the neck and said, no, this is the track you need to be on. I learned how to cut weight. I learned how to compete. I traveled every, every, every comp competition as a true freshman. And um, I'm just grateful for the people that really put their arm around me and kind of showed me the way as a, as a young kid. You know, a lot of I see a lot of red shirts come in and it's almost like. Almost like a year off kind of mentally, they're like, alright oh, I'm I'm going to red shirt. It's OK. And that wasn't my approach as as I came to Iowa State. It was like, listen, I'm, we're going to show you exactly how you're going to do X, Y and Z. And you're going to compete in as many open as you possibly can because you're going to learn how to win at this level. Yeah, um, and I was going to be around guys like that. But yeah, man, back to coach Douglas, what a, what a legend. And um, uh, you know, just very grateful that, that he started the process of recruiting me to Iowa state. Cause it's it's changed my life.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, I love how you talk about a retro coming in. It, it reminds me a lot about, um, I promise I'm not book dropping all podcasts, but I'm doing, I'm audio booking the Elon Musk book and it's seriously unbelievable. His sense of urgency I think a lot of people can take, like, he doesn't want to wait for anything, you know, and it's, it's not always productive, but a lot of times it is. And it's like, even you with, you talking about as a red right? It's like the sense of urgency needs to be immediate, right? It's, it needs to be now it shouldn't be any waiting. You, you actually
0: put that perfectly and in a great way of kind of putting that concept together. Cause I, I do believe in that. I believe your five years go extremely fast. And I think that a lot of kids, they, they think they come in and, and that year is like a, you know, you put the training wheels on, and and then we'll take them off after the year's done. That's not the case. There has got to be a sense of urgency. That listen, you didn't you didn't make it just by showing up. You know what I mean? You're here because you the goals that you have pushing forward. And and again, it's it's a learning process, and there's a curve, and you got to be able to continue to you know you're going to have adversity, but it's the, learning that attitude of listen. I know there's going to be failures along the way, and there's going to be adversity along the way, but it's up to me about my attitude how I'm going to keep pushing forward. And I think that if you keep that foot on the gas from your senior year in high school into your freshman year in college, you see the guys like this,
1: yeah. you know, guys are ready
0: as retro freshmen. They didn't take that last year off and uh, they're competing for something.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, man, I absolutely, absolutely.
1: Now, tell me about you look at your resume and you're like three time All-American national champ, you know, coach at one of the one of the best schools in the country. And everyone would say, oh, it's easy for John Reeder to be positive. Man, he's had such a good life? Junior year, you don't All-American. I don't remember exactly what happened. I knew you had some injury, but that's got to be a moment where if you had a lull in your career, that had to be it. Talk to us about what you were feeling and how you got back going after that.
0: Well, I mean, it, I truly believe, I mean, it's, it's 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 easy to go back and say like this, this, this is the reason, but I really yeah. believe this is the reason why I became a national champ was that situation leading into my, um, I, I didn't All-American my junior year. You know, I was a freshman All-American. I was a sophomore All-American. I went into my junior year. I think I was ranked top three in the country going into the NCAA tournament. I get upset first round. And, you know, to kind of preface that a little bit, there was injuries. There was concussions. then and, and there was, you know, knee injuries. I, lo- I hurt my knee really bad in the Big 12 finals. And uh, I remember I didn't hit the mat one time before the NCAA tournament in, in their, you know, that week and a half, almost two-week period in between your championship and then uh, the NCAAs. I didn't hit the mat once. And, uh, you know, so mentally that kind of I'm the kind of guy like I need to every workout that schedule. I need to be on it. That's just who I am and who I was. And um, so that kind of played things. But going to the NCAA tournament, I was a little nicked up. And I believe a lot of that. I take ownership on all of that. I think a lot of it was self-inflicted just because of the way I approached my weight cut. And I think it really affected me. And all of a sudden it presented a lot of injuries. So I get into the NCAA tournament. I lose first round. And I'll never forget walking off that. That uh, Matt and hearing Sandy Stevens saying, you know, first round upset, you know, uh, I believe his name was Chris Brown from Old Dominion. Very tough, talented kid, um, beat me first round in the NCAA tournament. I think he was unseated or a very low seed or something like that. And he upset me first round of the NCAA tournament. I remember her, just her voice. And she's such a sweetheart and I love her. But hearing her voice saying Chris Perry upset John Reed in the first round, I, it, I can hear it in the back of my head, man, still to this day. And walking back into the tunnel and being like, "All right, man, here, here, we go. I got, I got, I got to, I got to figure it out." And um, I make it all the way back to the round of twelve, and I'm kind of, you know, just a shell of myself with the concussions and not being able to hit, even hit my knee. It was more hand fighting, trying to pull guys down and run around them. I make it all the way back to the round of twelve, and I wrestle. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I wrestled him in the all-star duel that year. And I think I was one or two points away from tech fall on him in the, oh, in the wow. all-star duel. And I ended up wrestling him in the round of 12 and getting beat. And I just remember, Ryan, that moment of my career of how low I felt in, the, in kind of the, the negative thoughts of depression that really kicked in. And luckily, man, I had great people around me with Chris Mono and obviously KJ, and they believed in me. But at the moment, it's it's crushing it was, it was the lowest moment in my career. You've succeeded all through the, you know, every level you've succeeded. And that, that year we were supposed to win the NCAA championship. It was us. And I think Iowa, and, and it came down every session was neck and neck and neck and neck. And I was third seeded kid in the tournament. i was supposed to on paper be finishing third or better. And so I go down first round. That's a big, that's a big loss. And then all of a sudden i losing the round of 12. That's even worse, you know? So you mm. get through that and then, and then, um, I just remember luckily having parents that were just incredibly supportive of everything that that I was about, man, and just really picked me up in, in the moment of my lowest part of my career. I'll never forget my mom and dad just saying, listen, we love you. And if I can tell anybody, man, it gets me a little emotional just thinking about it because um, if you can do anything for your kids, man, in those moments, they want to make you proud. But if you can just tell them you love them in those moments, man, went so far and gives me goosebumps right now. But I like it just like, listen, it's gonna be okay. Just it just reaffirmed that it. it's all right. Even though it mattered, it was the most important thing in, in for me at that moment was winning. I wanted to win a national title so bad. And uh just for them to tell me they loved me and it was going to be okay and you know you're gonna figure it out. You still got another year. Let's do this. Um so ultimately moving forward, I, I got revamped and, and luckily had a you know, now wife at the time was my girlfriend, and um, again, just that support system that was around me that really lifted me up and said, "Listen, number one priority is to get healthy." I was I was going through the season injured. Let's get you healthy and let's get you refocused. And I took a couple of weeks off of being in the room. Ended up making a university world team that summer, and that kind of sparked things headed forward. I went up a weight class. I no longer was was cutting weight so that kind of eliminated injuries. I was happy. I was excited to come to practice. I was, you know, a better teammate. I was a better, you know, uh, in my relationships with people that were around me and I I just really enjoyed my senior year. It went by faster than both all, all three years before that together. Really? You know, it was just it it went so my senior year went like this. And obviously it's, it's easy that cuz you know, I didn't lose my senior year so it's it goes quick because you're winning, right? but I felt better than I had ever felt. And I think a lot of that was finding down the deepest part of where I was and figuring out who I was by building myself back up.
1: I appreciate I, you sharing that, yeah, man.
0: I'm telling you, man, it was the darkest moments of my career, but I really believe that I figured out who I was as a man. I could have put my head down and just ran away and I could have just absorbed it and let it and let it eat at me and, and let it you know just deteriorate me. But at the lowest moments... I'm lucky I had people around me to build me up, but that was where I figured out who I was, and it ultimately sparked and and springboarded me into my senior year, and and that's what I tell my athletes. Do listen, I've seen the lowest of lows in this sport, or at least you know, in moments of loss of, of, of when you think you're going to accomplish something, and then I've been at the other side of it. And so I've, I've experienced everything in between and that's, that's a special thing to be able to experience those, you know, and reflect those experiences with your, with your athletes
1: and to like push through it. Right. It's like anyone who's, who's achieved anything has had those moments of like self-doubt or just that real, that down feeling. And it makes you just want to like, give it up and be like, yeah, you know what, this isn't that important. Screw this, man. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to bow out, but it's crazy how much growth can happen if you're, if you're in that spot and just keep pushing forward. Yeah,
0: and, and I'm telling you, even even to fast forward the years down the road, those were some of the drawing moments in that 100-mile race. Even not not to talk too much about that 100-mile no, race. No, I want to talk about, about, it. about it. Good. But, but in the darkest moments of that run, you're reflecting on moments like this. Listen, I've seen the lowest of lows. I've been to the lowest of lows. You can do this. It's okay. If you think you can, you can. But if you think you can't, you're not going to do it. And I really believe this is as simple as that saying is, and we've heard it a million times, right? If you think you can, you can't. If you don't think you can, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to reflect on those moments, like, man, I, I've seen it. I've done it. I've, I've felt it. And um, I think that's kind of fortified me into who I am. And it's kind of formed me in with that attitude of what I am now today.
1: I love it, man. It's so infectious. I can't even imagine how, how your guys must feel to be around you. And I look at, you guys got to Wisconsin, what, 2018? Yes, sir. Yep, 2018. Man, it goes fast. And when fast. you, dude, so you guys were at um, South Dakota State building that program up really from nothing to a, to a really respectable program. What like similarities and parallels was it for you guys to build up Wisconsin as it was to like build South Dakota State?
0: I just think that, you know, the, 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 the bones were here at, at Wisconsin, you know. So they've they've had historically great programs in, in the past. It just needed to be structured and and kind of build the culture that we see fit for this program. And and no, by no means has it has it been an overnight project. It's been a lot of consistent, you know, effort to get it to where we are now. And and we're far from being done. And but at South Dakota State, it was just again putting in that attitude that listen, you guys are the underdogs. You you got on paper, nobody believes you can win here. And, you know, you go, let's go prove these guys wrong. Let's go prove them wrong. And and again, a place like South Dakota state with the, they just had unbelievable support their yeah. athletic department supported them. They, they those, the, the town supported them. That's a special, special place. And, and it'll always hold a special place in our heart because of, of the relationships we built there and in the, in the teams that we formed and that, in that place, in the you know Frost Arena, how how it was rocking, you know every dual meet. It was just an incredible part of our coaching career. But we we brought that same kind of blue collar attitude into this program, and we again are still recruiting the similar guys. And um, it's just a bigger, yeah, it's just a better platform, and, and very grateful to be here.
1: Well, Madison is it's easily one of the best college towns. If not, you'll say the best. It's one of the no, best, definitely. man.
0: It, it is the college. It is the number one college in, in, in America, man. I I believe that. And I I've seen bias, man. It's, it's incredible. I remember the first day we stepped on campus here and I looked at Bono I'm like, dude, we were recruiting, we were recruiting against this, you know, then going through all the meetings and all the resources with the different departments on what these student athletes get to become the best version of themselves. How, how can you not win? How can you not win? And how can you not be motivated to attack it every single day? And Mm -hmm. just, Grateful to be in this position where we are at Wisconsin, and again, I've 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 been with Coach Mono for over ten years now, man, and it's a special relationship, and to be able to do it with Seth Gross, and to be able to do it with our newly appointed assistant coach Garrett Model, and and just a guy again who's in a position now as an assistant coach because of the attitude he brings every day. One as a competitor when he was in this program, but now as an assistant coach, and uh, we're just very grateful to to be uh, representing this program.
1: Well, it's a program where you know Wisconsin athletics, you know, we in college sports, we always think about the football. They're always right there, right? And you bring in Luke Fickle, heavyweight legend.
0: Yes, sir. Let's talk about Coach Fick, man. He he's he's the best. The, the second he stepped onto the campus, there was an energy like no other. And and being a wrestling guy, you you have a little extra, like, let me put my arm around this guy. Uh, you know, and again, very down to earth, approachable, personal um guy that that I've ever met in the coaching profession. And just, you know, you're sitting in the sauna once, twice a week with him and his staff and they're very personal. They they know wrestling. They they know guys that are wrestling out there. They they know the sport just as good as we do. You know, and like, hey, are you recruiting this guy or hey, you know, we're recruiting this wrestler. What do you think of him? So it's there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of overlap. And I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about his time here at Wisconsin and the impact he's going to make on this on this athletic department, which he already has. But the special thing about him, he brought more wrestlers on his staff too. Like there's multiple wrestlers across the board. Really, Mike Trestle, Mike Tressel, his defensive coordinator, his head defensive coordinator, was a wrestler. Um, uh, Colin Hitchler, his co-defensive coordinator, he 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 was a starter at Penn at 184 back when Zeke Jones was the head coach there. What? I'm talking about like, I mean, you're talking about these guys know wrestling, they know recruiting, they know they know what they're talking about.
1: Wow, it's cool you know, because so it's. Really,
0: it's Really
1: cool, because so he he was on the podcast when he was at Cincinnati. I was just amazed. I yep. love when people go to a, something that's nothing and turn it into a program, like he did at Cincinnati, yep. right? And he was telling me, you know, he uh wrestled at Ohio State his first year, so he he plays football for Ohio State. They go to the Rose Bowl. He comes back to wrestle his first match back is carry McCoy, Penn State, Ohio I know, State. I know,
0: I know, and that's what he said. He said he thought he was ready to go and. <laughs> He was, you know, I think, I think the way he told the story was he was, it was maybe even through the first period. And I think he chose down and ended up, you know, getting one way real quick. The other, you know, towards Kerry McCoy's favor, but, but just his, that's a legend
1: though. Like McCoy's like one of the best heavyweights of that era.
0: It goes on to be a multiple time. And champion multiple time Olympian, you know, world champion. Kerry McCoy was the real deal. Yeah. You know? And uh but but Coach Fickle his his foundation is wrestling. He would tell you every opportunity that he's had in this sport and, and where he's at in life right now is probably from wrestling. Oh yeah. And he's you know, and there's again, just it's very it's very it's unique to have that kind of energy with a football coach and that kind of personal approach to the way he builds relationships around this department and his willingness to help our sport in return and um uh, just very excited for, for him and he's doing a heck of a job and, and uh, everybody around here is so fired up by him.
1: Yeah. He's, he's amazing. And what I love about him is he's a family man too. He's got tons of kids and he brings them everywhere, man. So it's like, in the, guess why I bring that up is you look at guys who are successful, who some of them have done it with a family intact, because let's be real. There's a lot of time sacrifice, right? And then some have not And so it's like, what, what allows some people to be successful, but still have families, well or some people are successful and they've had you know multiple divorces, right? And it's just like I see you, you got a kid, you got uh, two kids and, and a wife. and it's like, what's that been like kind of being a father while you learn to be a coach. it's, it's the
0: greatest thing in the world, man. and i I, I tell like Coach Gross is a, a new new father and and I told him man, there is nothing better than being a dad. and there's absolutely nothing better. And I love that when I step foot into the into my house at night after a long day and and anything that bad happened during the day nothing compares to how excited i am when i walk through the door and i see my family because ultimately those are those are that that's what it's all about you know and and i'm just very grateful to have a wife that understands the the required the the required effort that it takes to be at at this level and in the consistent of me not always being at a, a, a everything and just just being there you know just being that rock when i'm not able to be there And um but yeah. man having these guys, and bringing in the kind of guys that we do into this program. I'm fully confident when I bring my daughter and when I bring my son into this room that those are guys that they can look up to. And those are role models that they can have as young kids to be able to look and say, "Hey, listen, that's how you treat people." Or, "Hey, that's how you treat your teammates." Or, "Hey, this is how you give your best effort." And or, "Hey, this is this is how you go about X, Y, and Z." So, to have my little guy just starting wrestling, you know, and and to come up here and look at these guys and have you know my guys putting them up on the pull up bar, and you know I get home and that's all I can talk about is how DJ him and he put him up on the on the pull up bar. And oh. to me, man, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And um,
1: again, I saw just, his hip just... video. How about that,
0: dude? How about I know. How about that? He's a little beast. He's a little beast. He, uh, he thinks he's invincible right now. He thinks he's the true life. He He's the real life. Little, <laughs> little. But uh, so, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of passion and, and uh, we're excited. He's keeping us busy.
1: Now you're, are you doing the kids club coaching too, or just you, you I wouldn't imagine you have time for that. Do you, or do you try to get in there?
0: Kids club here we we got some great programs around our area with with Ben Askren with his uh Askren wrestling academies throughout the entire state and you know we've got many many clubs around here Nazar's got a great club you know Ryan Taylor's got a club right down the road Saarbacher, we've got a lot of great programs in our area for kids to have that opportunity to continue to grow and yeah. um so yeah mm-hmm. we're, we're we're getting close to getting my little guy going he's 5 and he's itching right. man
1: I tell you what, man, it's the club scene is powerful and it can really transform a state. I mean, I say it all the time, over time, what it did to Illinois. You look at all the Fargo national titles and AWA in Wisconsin. And I noticed uh, just on Twitter, you guys were down at one of my favorite clubs, Izzy Style. I mean, what, yeah. Talk about your relationship with Izzy Style. I mean, I know you, I'm sure you're close with all the clubs, but what do you see in that program yep. that you like?
0: Yeah, we we make a, a consistent effort to get out to every single club across the state, not just the 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 more common names that you hear, the Izzy Styles, the AWAs. We want to we want to build relationships with every single club, and to let them know that there's an opportunity for their their athletes to to wrestle at the next level, and an opportunity to you know if you're a Wisconsin club, what what a great honor to we're the only Division One program in the state, so having that opportunity to stay home and be homegrown and to be able to represent your state is a special thing, but. When you got Izzy right down the road, he's two hours down the road, and just a just a program that Izzy runs, man. I'm 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 incredibly impressed every time I walk into that room. One, just because he's a, he's a great coach and he's a great person, but one thing that really it really um, I'm 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 over over like I don't even know how to describe it. Like every time I walk into his room, every single one of his guys come up to me and shake them shake my hand. Every single one of them looks you in the eye. Every single one of them is incredibly respectful. And they're in there and they're getting after it. Yeah. So you know what you're getting out of those guys. And just very, very impressed every time I walk out of that room. And, and it gets me fired up. And, and it, Izzy's just a, a great coach and has been a great coach for a long time. And uh, he's a proven coach. So excited every time to to get down there and to see Izzy. and And like I said, he's a big supporter of ours as well.
1: Yeah, and he those guys wrestle with a lot of confidence, and he's one of those coaches, kind of like a you know a like Dion Sanders, like the, he instills confidence in people. Not all coaches do that, but yep. Izzy does that. Like Izzy's guys walk around with a lot of confidence in tournaments. Like we go we go well, to tournaments. Think, as a I kid. think
0: yeah, I think when you watch those practices too, he forges those guys in the fire in the room. You know, they're, they're going to be ready when they get out of the competition because of the the style of of his training and in in the in the positions and situations that he puts his athletes in, whether they're, you know, just different stressful situations that he's going to make sure that you're forged and you're ready to compete. If you're going to represent the Izzy style, you're going to you're going to compete at the highest level and you're going to have maximum effort. And, um, and that's what he demands out of his, his athletes. And that's why I love going down there and, and, and being around his guys and just feeding off him.
1: And, and and kind of like transitioning into I have a, a few non wrestling things I want to ask you about, but wrestling wise kind of going back to I always empathize with these parents because my mom had never been in wrestling before we got involved. Right. And you look at some kids, their dads are college coaches or whatever. It's just it's a there's different experiences with it. So if we got a kid wrestling in eighth grader or ninth grader. Tough, a couple time placer, and he wants to make that next level. Like, what do you think are the most important things that person can be doing? Like, not even like tactically, but maybe some of the more important values you guys are looking at when you're recruiting kids.
0: consistent. I, I don't even have to. I don't even have to waver on that one. I think it's being consistent, and I really believe it starts early. And the the the, the quicker you can understand being consistent and how that's going to directly correlate to your success, you can't just expect to be. You can't expect you say you want to be a national champ, and that's right here. You can't you can't be willing to give this from on a consistent basis. There's a big gap. And I think when you can understand that from early age, and I think that there's a lot of incredible club coaches out there that are really preaching that and that that get that across to their athletes. And Izzy being one of those, um, he demands a certain level of consistency and and buy, and buy-in. And and um when you say you want to be a national champ, it requires this. And I'm gonna show you the roadmap. But we are you willing to walk that walk? And I think that uh, if I were to give any advice to the parents of, of people or kids that want to jump that level, is just again one obviously be able to support your you know your your son or daughter and in in the opportunities that are going to help them get to the next level. But be consistent, absolutely be consistent. It can't be one every you know month. You know it's got to be it's got to be buy in. You really want to get to the next level. You got to be willing to work. And you got to be able little willing to put your head down with with the understanding that the that the results are going to be a lagging indicator of months and weeks of work that you've done, right? And I think that that's huge. It's not an overnight. It's not an overnight process.
1: I like how it's a lagging indicator. That's a good point. I,
0: I man, I'm telling you,
1: everything,
0: everything is a lagging indicator of choices that you've made. Everything, like 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 yeah. we we get to March, we get to March, Ryan, and and you. Remember this comment right now. When we get to March and those those awards that are going down for the top eight of the NCAA tournament, those are all a lagging indicator of the choices that each one of those eight guys made throughout the entire season, made throughout the whole previous summer, right, to get them to that position right there.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I believe yeah. that I believe in it wholeheartedly. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. I, I, I don't, or at least I've never been able to, and I'm, I've yet to find someone that's extremely skilled on turning it off and turning it on.
1: Well, even think, uh, even even the folks who don't do that, but like, there's they're plugging every day. It's easy to not to. I, and I I guess it's like like I picked up golf this summer, went every day three months, didn't see shit. And Then finally at the end, things are starting <laughs> to go my way. But it's like it takes – it's a we say it right, <laughs> so but like once we're back in the saddle, the
0: golf game. Don't even get me started on play? the golf game. I, oh, listen, I I took the golf game up, and I'm glad because I've never had a real true hobby in my life. And if you know me, I'm either zero or I'm all in, like Same overboard. <laughs> and so I went out and bought the nice set of clubs. I bought a nice bag. I started playing more. And you know what, man? I haven't gotten any better. I haven't gotten any better. I haven't gotten any better, man. So, But again, it, 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 you can't expect here, – here's a great example. Uh, You want to be better. You got to be consistently out there on the course. You got to be consistently trying to get out of the sand trap. You got to be consistently learning how to chip. You got to consistently learn how to putt. You can't just show up once a month and expect to break 90 or whatever it may be. It just doesn't work like that.
1: Right. You know what I
0: mean? And I can't, I keep telling myself when I'm done, I'm all frustrated. I'm like, dude, why do I suck? And why, why am I terrible at golf? And I'm like, dude, listen, you play once a month. What do you, what do you, what do you expect? Right. Right. Oh, and, and, but, but I think that's what I think that's a I think that's the way a lot of the athletes think that, you know, just because you show up once means you're going to accomplish X, Y, and Z. It's not like that.
1: No, it, it's it's equally frustrating though because that sport, the harder like you grip and try, the worse you do. You know.
0: Oh, hey, listen, I've learned that the wrong way, man. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, the harder and the harder you squeeze, and the harder the, the the faster you swing that club, it doesn't always it doesn't always uh <laughs> say it's going to go straighter. That's man. for sure. So true. Well, coach, <laughs> I think I think Bono. I think Bono's. Uh, he said it many times when I've swung the club. Hey, just just swing harder. Swing harder, <laughs> dude. I can see you just breaking that thing almost, dude. Yeah, I can. Hit, I can hit it long and far, but I don't know which way it's going. <laughs> That's the problem.
1: Well, man. Good news for us is it's getting cold, and, and it means golf season's done and wrestling season started. We're two weeks out from your guys' first duel, which I I'm so yes, excited sir. about that. Man, let's uh let's talk a little bit about though. You know, when you look at going forward, you got some new guys in. You got some California guys and Luke Condon on the lineup. You guys are tapped into yes, that sir. Poway pipeline.
0: Yeah. So Luke Luke is one of the one of the most special freshmen, and I, I I know saying that is uh is saying a lot because of a guy like DJ who came in as a true freshman. But but uh, Luke is Luke is in a position where he's got really great partners in the room. Whether it's DJ, whether it's Max Mailer who's a transfer from Michigan, whether it's Shane Legal who's a Division two national champion at one eighty four. Um, in a room full of other guys that are co- really challenging this guy. But the development we've seen from from Luke in the last three months has been incredible, absolutely incredible. And I'm telling you, make mark mark it down. Remember this conversation. When you think about Luke Condon, I'm telling you, he's going to be a very, very special college wrestler. Um, but again, it's because of his willingness to buy in and to lean into when things get uncomfortable. He's continuing to show up. He's continuing to show back up, even though he's wrestling a guy like DJ or, or X, Y, and Z. And, uh, I'm telling you, man, this guy's a, a workhorse. He's got a great attitude. He loves being a great teammate. And, uh, I'm just very grateful to be in his corner, but that's just one of yeah. seven other of, of seven other freshmen that we brought into this program. We brought four transfers and seven freshmen. So a pretty darn big class. And, um, what if I had to kind of summarize our team for this year? It's 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 an underdog team. It's definitely an underdog team, and I love that. It it's it's kind of reminds me of the teams we've had at South Dakota State, where on paper, man, guys, some of the guys haven't accomplished things that they want to accomplish in this sport, and uh, some of them it's their last chance. And we've got a good mix of young guys that are ready to make their mark, and we've got a we've got a few guys in the team that have been accomplished and been all Americans, but are still trying to get to the to the top of the podium mm-hmm. so a very hungry team a very uh selfless team and i love that Th- these guys are a bunch of dogs and they're ready to compete they've been competing against each other for a long time and you know throughout the spring and summer and um and now into you know preseason they're ready to compete we open up our season november 5th at home against Lindenwood, wood and i know those guys are, are ready and itching to go
1: let's go man i learned a couple things today coach Probably most important. If I'm going to be a himidi fanboy, which I am, I didn't realize it's DJ. So he goes by that by short. I'm going to start dropping that more often.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. He, he goes by DJ. We call him DJ around here. And
1: uh, again, just he's just amazing. A,
0: a, he's amazing, man. And it's Love not just guy. what he does on the, on the mat. He's just a he's a good person off the mat and someone that uh, is a great representative of who we are in this program and who this university is.
1: All right. Couple rapid fire questions, so and we'll let you go, Coach. What were you more nervous for—the hundred mile race or the base jumping you just did?
0: Base jump by far. I was cocky going into the run. I was really cocky, and I got humbled very fast. But the base jump—that's that's, that's like—it's uh, either going to go right or it's going to go really wrong. <laughs> and, and they pretty much told me, you know. I started get it. I started. That's a long story, but man, very very nervous for that. I was I was excited for the opportunity, but nervous like. There's not a lot of air, room for air, when you jump off that. They were telling me it's actually more safe to jump out of a plane than it is off a bridge. Oh, Because definitely. the
1: margin, the margin of air is so small. You're so much closer to the ground. Yeah.
0: So much closer, and if something goes wrong, it's over.
1: Wow. So were you like John DeJulius <laughs> hooking you up on that, or how did that all start? So
0: John, hey, John. Actually, it's a, it's a great story. So I was out in, in, um, in Jerome, Idaho, is where I did that off the Paine Bridge, eighth, eighth tallest bridge in, in the world. And they um, Johnny Julius hooked me up so that when they when they found out that I wanted to do it, they're like, all right, well, we need to find out somebody that's an expert in this thing. So they reached out to Johnny. Johnny reached out to a guy and uh, Johnny hooked me up with a guy that was very, very, you know, skilled at what he did. And I'm, I'm grateful for Johnny for doing that. <laughs> and I, not just to somebody they pulled off the street, but this guy had, you know, thousands of base jumps off that exact bridge. And he did a great job and made my experience real, really, really fun.
1: Dude, How nervous before that jump?
0: Listen, I didn't tell my wife I was doing it until after, and oh, and she's like, wow. she's like, you're absolute crazy, dude, I was so, nervous. I was so nervous when I when I got up there, and I got psyched out just because the the way that this dude was talking to me, he's like, you know, let me do the spit test. You know, the spit test was he's just gonna lean over the, lean over the edge of the bridge and just spit all the way down, and then just kind of watch it to, to see where the wind was, kind of kind of dictate how our landing was gonna be, and it was it was an experience man but it was fun
1: wow that's amazing <laughs> man I because i just i i the amount of people that to this day i'll get someone uh it's actually aaron on who's a national runner up for penn state he reached out to me and he's like yo i'm trying to get my friends to do an event and he i actually sent him your, the interview we did with you and you and uh bono after the 100 miler man because yeah. that's still people still cannot believe that you didn't do like a half marathon, a marathon. That was like your first event was a 100-mile foot race. dude. I,
0: I, and I, I, we, A lot of people always come up to us and they reference your podcast about that. And they're like, oh, listen, I got into it. I heard that podcast. I wanted to try the 100. I'm dead serious. We didn't do any other race. That was our first race ever was 100 miles. We never did a marathon. We never did a 10K. We never did a foggy. None of that. It was 100 miles. And, and uh, insane, insane.
1: Well, thanks so much for coming on coach. I always get excited talking to you and man, I I just feel the energy and positivity and I can't wait to watch your guys season. Tell coach Bono, I say what's up and uh, yeah, wish you guys nothing but the best. Let's get coach gross on here, man.
0: Yes, let's go, man. Let's go. We'll get it all set up and we'll get him on here. He'll, he'll crush it too. Awesome. Thanks coach.
1: All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the wrestling changed my life podcast to support the show please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. You can also support the show at our online store at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and stickers. That's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you next time on a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life.